The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host... Grace Goller. Welcome to this week's Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Goller. This week, in part one of Navigating the Cancer Maze, we're exploring some good news research. Last week on the show, I interviewed ethicist Dr. Julie Cruz, and if you missed that interview, you can download it here on Voice America. If you wish to read some of the resources from the show, then please visit my blog, which is gracegawlermedia.com, or one word, and Gawler is G-A-W-L-E-R, gracegawlermedia.com. Because Navigating the Cancer Maze has an aim to educate people affected by cancer by providing accurate information and tools to help navigate the maze, I'd like to follow on from last week's theme, and today I'll talk about quality research in comparison with the anecdotal stories of curing and remission that we discussed last week. We're going to take a look today at some specific new treatments for cancer, and uh, information also taken from press releases and publications, recent cancer research articles. You won't want to miss hearing about these if you have an interest in cancer. Plus, I'll be talking about a recently published paper that looks at the surprising information of combining immunotherapy and chemotherapy. And as you know, we all hear stories of how chemotherapy destroys the immune system. But have you ever wondered why some patients who have chemotherapy never change their diet or lifestyle or take supplements or do any of the things that are expected to help cancer recovery actually get through cancer and have long remissions? Sometimes those remissions can last for their entire life or a very long time indeed. Well, having worked with cancer patients now for 40 years, I've actually seen and heard of many thousands of these patients. So this is a very interesting paper, um, as well it discusses how chemotherapy can positively assist the immune system. And yes, you heard correctly, that's a, uh, a new concept. The application of some of the research that we'll be discussing today is actually closer than you think. And in fact, some clinicians and clinics around the world, including in the USA, are already using treatments based on the research. The moral of the story here is really to demonstrate 
the length of time it takes to ensure that a new treatment is as safe as possible when it enters the clinical marketplace for human use. Because we've all seen reports of exciting cancer breakthrough in the print media or on the six o'clock news, and we have hope generated in patients only to be dashed by the um, interviewer saying that, well, doctors hope that the treatment will be available sometime in the next five to ten years. Um, This is a very, very common occurrence. And modern conventional medicine actually gets a lot of criticism for this time lag and for the side effects that are created by some of the pharmaceutical drugs, and especially where we're looking at chemotherapeutic drugs. And yes, it's true there are an increasing numbers of what we call iatrogenic diseases, that is pharmaceutically induced conditions by taking certain medications. But by the time a treatment reaches the marketplace, at least we know that it has been researched, it has been well scrutinised, it has been tested and trialled on humans. And that uh, is some solace, despite the fact that we do have many of our patients saying, well, you know, I've got this and that side effect uh, from chemotherapy. But many of the alternative type of medicines that are used and promoted on the internet, some of them actually quite dangerous, don't actually have this very solid background of uh, research from these many different angles. Um, And so later on in the show, moving into that, I'll make comparison with what happens with one of the more popular of the natural therapies, using this as an example, and how they can become very famous and misinterpreted um, through uh, actual promotion on the internet. And because I'm a qualified naturopath and I've worked at the cancer coalface for about 40 years now, my lifespan provides me with a unique view of patients' real experiences. Patients like you that are listening to the program today. And during that time, I've seen patients try most things to cure cancer. They've tried everything from juicing to traveling overseas to faith healing, you name it. And there are many shades of grey in trying to work out what cures. So um, I'll start off with a positive, uh, very positive story, which I really liked from the news. And um, it's written by a uh, controversial cancer physician, Dr. David Agus, and that name might be known to many of you who listen in from the USA. In our last week's Australian news media, there was an article describing David Agus as America's most high-profile cancer specialist, a physician whose patients have included billionaire technology moguls, rock legends, Hollywood superstars. And he wants to tell you something. Now, this intrigued me uh, quite a deal to keep reading on with this article. It said he's not very good at treating cancer. So I thought, must read on and see what he's about. He's um, very well credentialed. He's a research scientist and a professor of medicine and engineering. A very interesting combination at the University of Southern California. And like many doctors who work with cancer, Agus clearly has struggled to deal with patients at their end-of-life experience and their end-of-treatment regimens when their drugs haven't worked. And in 2012, he published his first book, The End of Illness, and apparently became a New York Times number one bestseller. Um, 
I'm sure that Dr Agus really has taken the best road that we can all take so far in terms of illness prevention and health promotion in writing his latest book and that's called A Short Guide to a Long Life where he talks about the idea that prolonged good health starts with lots of smallest changes today. I like that idea too. He also states that inflammation can raise your lifetime risk of heart attack, strokes and cancer. He is quirky and is controversial, and especially um, with regards to the dietary regimens that so many cancer patients and even well people today are following. So he debunks the fads. His rule number 60 is, guess what, no juicing. Uh, He says, does the body really like consuming 10 carrots all at once or a pound of radishes? I think not, he says. Or he says, eat real food. And that means avoiding anything in a packet. It doesn't matter if it announces itself to be good for you somehow by being cholesterol-free or antioxidant-rich. If they have to tell you why you should be eating it, you shouldn't be eating it. So as I read this article, I found myself agreeing a lot with Dr. Agus. Perhaps the only thing I didn't agree with uh, in the interview that I read was that he said that there's been very little movement in um, treating cancer successfully since the days of JFK. And um, I guess his colleagues have taken him to task at that comment. But for myself too, working very much at the cancer coalface and being involved with a lot of uh, researchers, oncologists, uh, I'm seeing a lot of amazing movements and it's on fast forward and that's some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Um, just returning to Dr. Agus for a moment because he had some really cool things to say, I think, about cancer. Um, he's really trying to change the cancer mindset and it's probably one of the reasons why he's being so controversial in that. He's trying to instill, in other words, a new way of thinking about cancer. He says it's not something that visits us from the outside. We don't get, in inverted commas, cancer. Rather, we need to stop our bodies from cancering. And he points out that cancer is a verb and not a noun. I like that statement a lot. He often um, talks uh, also about the complexity of understanding cancer. And he says that we've tried to understand cancer for decades um, and we've tried to look for one single cause, but he actually believes that there is a complex web of causes. And certainly um, I'd endorse that, as would many of my colleagues. Um, He says... Uh, It's no good to try and understand a certain disease. We just need to control it. And that's very much the way that personalised cancer medicine is moving in today's world. It's gone away less from curing the cancer and getting someone, you know, in a long-term remission. It's really looking at controlling over a period of time and monitoring over a period of time. So he says it's much like an air traffic controller manages planes without knowing exactly how to fly one. And uh, I like that particular analogy as well. Now, I think his uh, his book's very easily available, and I'd actually highly recommend it. I think A Short Guide to a Long Life is a great title, and uh, some of the material um, in that book, I think that even... Uh, Uh, well people as well as cancer patients are going to find it quite helpful and interesting because it simplifies actually where we need to be looking down the 
complex cancer maze which has been created we need to get that maze a little bit simpler and I hope at some stage we may be able to get uh, Dr Agus on navigating the cancer maze and actually ask him some of these um, questions personally. Now as promised in the next uh, segment we're going to look at some really um, fascinating research from Australia and uh, I'll be starting that uh, now but don't go away because when we get into the next segment of this I'll be explaining a lot more about how this particular treatment works and how it was developed and where you can find out about it. So um, it actually comes from Australia and I'm going to be putting on my blog some links and some video links and uh, some URLs to help you to source this particular treatment which is getting quite a bit of airplay now in some of the other journals around about the world. Um, I think it's probably one of the most exciting cancer treatment discovery in decades and the treatment's actually called EDV Technology. The group who's pioneering this is called Engenic, and that is E-N-G-E-N-E-I-C. And as I said, I'll put that on the um, grayschoolandmedia.com blog for you to actually access and have a look at this treatment. Now, Engenic's delivery vehicle, EDV Technology, it's called, it's based on a very new concept. It's based on bacterially derived mini cells which can be loaded with existing chemotherapies or even newer forms of drugs. And these mini cells can load many times the drug concentration of other delivery technologies. Antibodies are attached to the outside of the mini cell then to target them to cancer cells where they can deliver the, um, the loaded drug. This supercharges the targeting antibodies, giving them the ability to deliver a proven chemotherapy payload without toxic side effects traditionally associated with cancer treatment. Now, I think this is very, very exciting stuff. I first saw this um, when uh, the couple who created this were presented on Australian Story on the ABC television a few years ago, and I've watched it with um, great interest so the, their story is actually quite uh, heartwarming. Uh, they're cancer researchers and they made a solemn promise to a dying colleague um, that they would devote their lives to finding a new way to treat cancer. And uh, it's about 10, 10 or more years now that they've been doing this and they've certainly made a lot of progress. Um, some have called their discovery a piece of disruptive technology that appears to shed some new scientific light on cancer treatment. And um, that's not a bad summary. The technology has already been through its first in-man or human trials at three hospitals in Melbourne, Australia, showed a high level of safety in a variety of advanced cancers, and it's now moving to the next stage in Australia, as well as overseas. So, uh, you know, here's a, not only a promise of something, but something that's out there now and it's being used. And the uh, science behind it and research behind it is actually very solid. So um, the, the way that this, um, these drugs are actually delivered, as I said, is quite new. And the basis of their technology 
comes from genetically engineered bacteria. And when these bacteria divide, they discard a tiny particle. And this ball-like particle is no longer alive. It's empty and it's inert. So basically, um, just putting this in a quite simple form, these researchers fill trillions of these tiny balls with microscopic or nano quantities of chemotherapy and then send them into the body. And they're designed to navigate their way to the cancer cells. So, um, quite exciting. I'll be back with a little more after the break talking about this new EDV technology. Until uh, then, maybe get yourself a cup of tea, sit down. There's lots more to come today on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Holvung Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and today we're talking about some exciting research in um, cancer therapies. Now, before the break, we were talking about the EDV technology, which has been pioneered in Australia. And we were talking about the little tiny balls with the microscopic quantities of chemo. They're sent into the body and they navigate their way to the cells. Um, this new delivery method really is a substantial step forward in overcoming the common problem of side effects from chemotherapy. Um, 
it also seems to have a different impact on a person's immunity. People with advanced cancer, we know, are usually immune-suppressed and therefore conventional chemotherapy often causes further suppression. But this technology seems to have the reverse effect. And by masquerading as bacteria, the particles seem to boost immunity. They trick the immune system into thinking that they're live bacteria. So this is... Um, this is quite a, a similar thing as to what happens with cancer cells. They're very tricky and they trick the immune system into not seeing them. So any way that we can get in exposing cancer cells to the immune system or exposing them to the treatments is a very, very significant uh, step forward indeed. So as trillions of these are injected, the immune system reads them, therefore, as a bacterial invasion, and then it jumpstarts itself into action, thus empowering the body to fight its own cancer. So a very, very big step forward in personalised um, cancer medicine as well. So um, they've used this, my interest, of course, with a veterinary background is uh, they've done a lot of veterinary case studies, which actually paved the way for this particular uh, research to get into action before it came to treat people. And uh, some of the veterinary case studies have been very interesting indeed with uh, even the brain tumours. Yes, dogs get brain tumours too, just like people. And um, they have used these particles to actually successfully treat and to extend the lives of some of these animals as well. Um, interestingly, the 22 people who were in the trial all emerged with minimal toxicity from treatment. So it's very exciting and um, it is recorded in a recent paper published in the Annals of Oncology Journal, it's called, and uh, that was published in October of 2013. The interesting thing from this particular journal article using EDV technology is that the article discusses the new possibilities in treating one of the cancers which has been very, very resistant to treatment as a very, very common cancer today, and that is mesothelioma, the cancer that's caused by asbestos. So uh, while many cells um, are characterised and they've been used to deliver cancer drugs in patients with other cancer types. This is actually the first application of targeted mini cells um, to be used in mesothelioma as a therapy. So they're going to do more um, studies now on mesothelioma. If you're in Australia or maybe even if you're in another country, it's worth inquiring through your doctor if you might be able to avail yourself of one of these clinical trials. I believe they're going to be uh, started in Sydney before uh, the middle of 2014. And uh, to get the links and who to contact, etc., regarding this, I will give you the details on my blog, as I said before, grayschoolermedia.com, uh, with also links to the website where you can find out more information. I think anything that's going to be um, able to successfully treat mesothelioma is going to be an enormous contribution to uh, cancer medicine.
Now, on the show before, uh, speaking of mesothelioma, you uh, probably have remembered Professor Thomas Vogel. Uh, he's from Germany, and he's one of the very few people at the moment in the world who is successfully treating and buying a lot of time for patients who have mesothelioma. And he uses his treatments called TACE, which is trans-arterial chemoembolization, where he delivers a payload of, um, of chemotherapy directly into the tumour, uh, wherever that is. And also he can perfuse areas with chemotherapy as well. And that particular technique is called trans-arterial chemoperfusion. He's associated with um, Halvan Clinic, which is where I also um, do some consulting for the hospital there. And Halvan Private Oncology Clinic is located in the Black Forest in Germany. So for people who um, want to avail themselves of uh, looking at some treatment also with a treatment that's now in practice and very well used buying you time perhaps buying you time until Ingenic have got their um, ENDV technology actually working and up and running and available to everybody so one of the things that comes from working in cancer medicine is this tremendous ability at the moment for interventional treatments targeted therapies personalized medicine that can buy you time while these other therapies are actually um, in the process in the pipeline and uh, not too far away from coming into being used. So if you're interested also in, in Professor Vogel, do drop me a line. You can email me at institute at gracegawler.com and uh, you'll find those uh, links actually on the Voice America website for getting in touch with me. I also interviewed Professor Vogel on this show and you'll find that um, as a downloadable in um, the past show archives. So that's the exciting um, information and updated uh, treatments for mesothelioma. So now let's go to ovarian cancer. Uh, we've previously interviewed on this show also Dr. Horst Lindhofer from Munich. Um, he uh, had some very interesting information on his new discovery. Um, I say new discovery, it's been uh, researched for more than, I think it must be up to 19 years now. Um, but the interview is also available here on the archives on Navigating the Cancer Maze Voice America page. So Dr. Lindhofer and his team pioneered the trifunctional antibody catumaximab, which is a mouthful. It's also known as Remuvab. And it's known as Remuvab because it's a targeted treatment for ovarian cancer. It's very successful in treating one of the most unfortunate uh, symptoms of ovarian cancer and other cancers, in fact, and that is the treatment of malignant ascites. Now, um, ascites is the accumulation of fluid that builds up in the abdominal cavity. Uh, it's associated with many different types of cancer. But Remuvab is approved for the treatment of this condition in patients that have what's called EPCAM, capital E-P, capital C, capital A, capital M, an EPCAM positive cancer. And uh, in many cases, this is used as if a standard therapy is not available. So as well as activating the immune system, because it is an immune therapy, uh, it does have this ability as well. And this is an incredible contribution because this is one of the big life quality issues for anybody who's dealing with uh, perhaps pancreatic cancer as well as ovarian cancer 
or also um, metastasized colon cancer. Uh, this fluid is a real life quality uh, issue. It's very distressing and um, it's perhaps as bad as the cancer um, itself in the body. So to have a solution for this is a very, very big step forward. Um, also, um, Removab or Maximab as it's known, that's also used um, in Europe. Um, it's available in America for some patients, I believe. It has been on trial there, but I think it's uh, moving along. And Halvang Private Oncology Clinic, again in Germany, um, uses this for a wide range of EPCAM-positive tumours. And they do have a lot of experience in using it because they were connected with this small farmer, um, uh, which is Dr. Lindhofer's, in Munich for some time and so they've been through um, a lot of the clinical trials the pipelines of this and are very uh, experienced in offering it to patients so uh, I think it's the good news on ovarian cancer there because you know it's the silent killer we call it it's been um, given some very bad names because it actually can be in your body without any symptoms until suddenly that fluid develops in the abdomen and by that time the cancer's often advanced. Um, so ladies, it's a very good one to just keep an eye on. You know, you should be getting your, um, your pap smears and getting an examination to just be sure that any of those odd symptoms that you might put down to um, perhaps a, you know, a period problem or um, some other dietary problem if you're getting some bloating, this can be one of the early signs. And uh, even with Fran Drescher, who I've had on the show before, who runs the uh, organisation Cancer uh, org. Fran uh, was in that situation as well and she tried to get so many doctors to actually take a look and see what was wrong with her because she had these odd symptoms and in Fran it wasn't actually um, ovarian cancer but it was a uterine cancer and it was caught relatively early although she picked up the symptoms a long time before so um, you know the prevention is so much easier than trying to find a cure once something is advanced so uh, take some uh, some heed from that um, France site's got some great information cancerschmancer.org and you can look that up as well now, there's more good news, in fact, uh, on ovarian cancer. And again, we'll be continuing with this in the next segment of the show. Dendritic cell therapy. Now, this was discovered in 1973 by a gentleman called um, Dr. Ralph Steinman. And he discovered a new type of cell that he called a dendritic cell. And he thought it could be very important in the immune system. And then he went on to test whether dendritic cells could actually activate T-cells, a cell type that's got a key role in immunity, what we call adaptive immunity, and developing a memory, an immunological memory against many different substances, just like if you have a vaccination. So he was able to show in um, cell culture experiments that the presence of dendritic cells resulted in vivid responses of T-cells to such substances. And he had a lot of uh, sceptics in the beginning with this discovery but um, I believe he also was given uh, one of the Nobel Medicine Prizes for this amazing discovery. So a lot's happened since then and we're going to come back after the break and look how since 1973 
uh, some amazing information uh, of how dendritic cells are being used for cancer treatment. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly on Navigating the Cancer Maze. each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegoller.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G dash clinic dot com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at one 866 472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm Grace Gawley, your host for today's show. We've been talking about ovarian cancer and uh, also about dendritic cells. And some of the information that is available today on dendritic cells, it's not a big secret. It's being used around the world. It's being used to enhance um, people's therapies. It's being used for some people who have had a lot of uh, therapy and have had advanced cancer and still are in problems with their um, cancer, maybe being involved with a lung or some sort of organ that's um, a life-threatening situation, are getting a lot of benefit from the use of dendritic cells. Now it's not the magic bullet um, and it seems to work very well for some people and for other people like most cancer therapies um, you know unfortunately uh, that it doesn't work for everybody 
But what we are seeing is for people who are having a cancer diagnosed early and for people who are in that middle of the range place, uh, the use of dendritic cell therapy is being very effective. Um, it's used in Germany again at, at Halvan Clinic. Um, they're using a dendritic cell vaccine that's actually made. Um, this one's actually made from blood. Um, there's another place up in the north of Germany where dendritic cells are made from actually taking a lot of blood, sifting out, uh, finding the white cells and then turning them into dendritic cells and infusing them back into the body. There's many different techniques. Some people are making a vaccine. Um, but it's all looking like it's pretty good news for anybody um, who's dealing with cancer. But in particular, I just wanted to talk about the dendritic cell effect with ovarian cancer. Now, um, there's a report, or there's actually many reports on a website of a group that's developed a dendritic cell therapy that's called Denvax. And it's a customized cell-based cancer immunotherapy. And they have a lot of well-documented, uh, not stories, but well-documented cases. And this is something we talked about last week on Navigating the Cancer Maze with Dr. Julie Cruz. Um, there's a lot of stories around, but those stories are not necessarily equated with a well-researched case study. These people um, looked at uh, this particular lady who was a 58-year-old and she was diagnosed with cancer of the ovary. We're going way back here into June 2004. Um, she had a CA125 marker, which those of you who uh, are cancer patients will know what that means. It was positive, um, and it was in the range of 10,000 units. She had surgery. She was given six cycles of chemotherapy. She actually recovered from her disease, and then her marker was in the normal range. But after a year, as we know can happen, the, uh, the tumour marker, the CA125, began rising and uh, she presented to them again with an increased teeter of 400 units. So there were signs of recurrence. Now, she opted to use this dendritic cell uh, therapy called Denvax, and that was back in June of 2005. She completed three years of receiving Denvax, um, and that's one of the other things to know about dendritic cell. It seems to be that it's a, an ongoing type of therapy um, where you can have it for sort of many years, then stop, then have it again, many months, then stop, then have it again. Um, so it's good to be very informed about that if you're wanting to take a look at it. But uh, they reported she's free of disease, both clinically and by radiological examinations, as another very important point to look at um, when we're looking at how well things are researched. And her marker has been stable, they said, at that point for the last three years. Um, they have uh, worked with many ovarian cancer patients now, and I'll be putting the link to their site and the link to those patient case studies also up on my blog, um, grayschoolandmedia.com. So remember now that there are many, many research centres around the world um, and treatment centres in clinical treatment using dendritic cell vaccines. And um, Grace Schooler Institute is happy to provide you with any resources regarding these clinics in other countries. Um, as well as looking at the blog, you can always email me at institute at grayschooler.com for any resources from any program that you've heard on navigating the cancer maze pertaining to cancer information. 
Um, it's worthwhile asking your doctor too if you think, oh, well, I couldn't possibly afford something like that. Ask if there are any trials that might be available. Uh, for all of you people who are listening in countries around the world, there are trials going on as well with various vaccines. So um, if you don't ask, you, uh, you won't find out about this. Um, now, finally, in this segment, I would like to talk about conventional anti-cancer chemo because historically it's got a pretty bad name. And we've talked on this show before of, you know, everyone saying, I, if I got cancer, I wouldn't have chemotherapy. Um, we've got memories of past aunts and uncles, you know, dying of cancer in the days when chemotherapy was quite primitive, in fact. It hasn't been around really all that long in the scheme of things and there's had to be a lot of trial and error in helping to kill cancer cells and um, cause the patient to have a longer life, if not a remission. Um, so there was a very interesting paper that came from Italy and I'll be putting the link to that on my uh, blog as well. Um, the concept really that they're looking at stems from the fact that um, chemotherapy drugs, which are cytotoxic drugs is another word for them, actually interfere with the DNA, the synthesis of the DNA and the replication of the DNA in the cancer cell. Um, there's new evidence, which is really interesting, that indicates that anti-tumor activities of chemotherapy also rely on several off-target effects. Now, this means especially directed to the host immune system. Um, and they uh, kind of uh, are looking at how the tumor is eradicated and um, that the host immune system actually also does something in partnership with the cytotoxic drugs, with the chemotherapy. And uh, this is something that has not really been studied, I believe, up until now. This is certainly the first study that I've seen. So what they're actually looking for here is ways of delivering enough chemotherapy to be cytotoxic to the tumour and then investigating ways that you can use the immune system uh, straight after that treatment, in fact within two to three days of having the chemotherapy to get a boosting effect of the immune system because they, they know there's a synergistic effect between the boosting of the immune system, the killing of the cancer cells, and that in fact the killing of a number of cancer cells can imp impact um, the immune system in its response because the cancer cells dying and or dead are suddenly unmasked to the immune system. So um, I think this is really very interesting and the facts that they, um, they quote in this article are the following. There's five um, known facts about this uh, effect of immunotherapy, chemotherapy. The first one is that immune competence is crucially required for chemotherapy efficiency. Now, if you remember early on in uh, today's show, I said thousands of people that I know have had chemotherapy, haven't changed their lifestyle, haven't done anything apart from go to the doctor and say, give this to me, I just want to get back to my life. Um, maybe those people earlier in diagnosis or somewhere even midway through diagnosis still had an immune response 
that was able to um, be, uh, what would you say, be boosted, I suppose is the best word, able to be boosted, able to be activated in the presence of chemotherapy. And this is a very interesting thought. I'm going to invite an oncologist uh, and particularly a, a treating oncologist using chemotherapy onto the show shortly so that we can actually have a look at this particular effect. Now, before we go into our next segment, the last segment of today's show, I did say in my uh, e-card that I'd be talking about a couple of personal stories, stories that have affected me um, as I've navigated my way through the cancer maze, um, not having had cancer myself, but those who are around me. Now, the first story um, is one that's been very well reported in the news, in fact, had a profound influence on my life, and that was my partner back at the end of 1974 was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma which is a bone cancer. He subsequently had his leg amputated and uh, was clear for about 11 months after that. Now at the time we believed that he had secondaries of that bone cancer but we also did not take into account um, and it was found out at a later time that he actually was diagnosed with active TB. Now true he almost died during that period of time because he became so thin um, he actually tried the uh, Gerson diet for a while he lost a lot of weight he got a lot of pain and uh, in fact uh, at the time when uh, he was having his remission uh, it wasn't until then it was discovered that yes he'd had the TB and it had gone back about two and a half years. What had happened here was um, he had not had a biopsy at the time so at the time we believe we were actually going through an experience of um, having cancer and now there's some very big shadows that have actually been cast over that because he didn't have a biopsy at the time when he should have had uh, to uh, diagnose the secondaries so it's become quite a famous story and uh, I'm a part of that story because I was his carer a 24-7 caregiver and um, also helped him through most of those particular therapies so what I've learned here is we also have to be very cautious um, of how a story is put forward. Now we had a lot of medical information uh, regarding that story but not a lot of it was connected. So uh, that's another uh, very important point in looking at uh, gathering medical information. We talked last week on the show with Dr. Cruz about the fact that if somebody's going to claim that they've recovered from cancer that they need to be able to produce the medical files. Well, When we actually have looked at these medical files and a paper was written on this in 2010 and it was published in the Internal Medicine um, Journal and it was actually disputing the fact because of no biopsy and because of TB that it's very likely um, in fact, 99% likely that um, this, in fact, was not a recurrence of bone cancer, but, in fact, TB, which uh, had created calcified abscesses, which had mimicked bone cancer. So it just goes to show that we have to be very careful, um, even in looking at case studies where there are um, a lot of medical um, papers and information that we come to the right conclusions. I was going to talk about another story, but I won't have time to do that today, and perhaps I can slip that one into next week. So we've come to a break on navigating the cancer maze. Don't go away, we're coming back. 
to talk again and we're looking this time at one of the alternative therapies and how that's been researched and promoted in contrast to the uh, therapies we've just spoken about today back soon each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Goller Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollerinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Goller Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Goller Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're back on Navigating the Cancer Maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. And uh, today we've talked about some fairly interesting things and it shows that we should not be thinking of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, certainly in terms of uh, looking at chemotherapy. Today we've looked at prevention and health promotion to reduce cancer risks with uh, Dr. Agus's new book. We've looked at new ways of delivering tiny amounts of chemotherapy drugs to tumour cells. We also looked at a way at the moment with TACE with Professor Vogel of delivering directly to the tumour uh, a good payload of chemotherapy, which means that the treatment's not systemic, and that has a tremendous effect as well. We've touched on the power of dendritic cells and we've looked in particular at how dendritic cells have been helping in the treatment of ovarian cancer. We see that research is pointing us towards killing cancer cells with chemo and utilising immune-based therapies. It's a nice partnership and it bridges the gaps between therapies that were once seen to be uh, quite exclusive to each other. So who said that there's nothing exciting in the treatment of cancer today? I think that they were wrong. 
Um, but now in this last segment, I do want to take a quick look at one of the most popular natural therapies on the internet today, and that is black salve. Um, it would be good if you hadn't heard of it, perhaps, but many people have, and it's a paste that's made up. Um, it's also used as an internal agent in uh, some forms as well, and it's one of these cancer cures that's out there on the internet. So, in looking at um, black salve, often it's made from uh, bloodroot, but also um, it's got a chemical that is very often mixed with it called zinc chloride. Now, bloodroot's got a lot of names. Um, it's native to the eastern United States and Canada, and when it's harvested, a red liquid comes out of the plant. It's an alkaloid, and it forms a thick paste quite easily. That paste is called an escherotic and um, that means that when you put that paste on the skin it's going to actually cause a scab and it's going to burn the skin and so-called uh, skin cancers then are cured by coming out and leaving uh, this big hole behind which heals over. Sounds great, sounds simple, is complex. So just to give you a little bit of background on this, because this is one of these areas, um, like we were talking about last week with Dr. Cruz, where people are reading the internet and using something, believing that it's well-researched, actually, uh, believing that it was used by the Native Americans. Um, they used a lot of um, herbs, but we really don't know uh, the scientific uh, state of uh, them using particularly bloodroot. And uh, we need to really investigate more closely what is going on with this. So I did this and um, I found out that zinc chloride, which is often a component of this paste uh, for treating skin cancers. And by the way, people use it on breast cancers, try to apply it in places where they really should not and have horrendous injuries. So I'm going to give that caution out in the beginning. Um, in the 19th century, zinc chloride was used as a, quite a destructive agent in treatment of cancer. Um, it's brisk, it's painful, there's an inflammatory response and you get this scar formation. Um, when applied to normal skin, you'll also get the same kind of inflammation and um, scar formation and scab formation. So there's a lot of uh, misinformation that if you put this on, it will clear up and take away all the cancer cells, should any cancer cells be there. Um, this is proven not to be so. So the escherotics, where do they come from? Well, they were introduced into Western medicine in the 1930s by a fellow who was a medical student in Wisconsin and his name was Frederick Mose and he was investigating tissue fixation as a new treatment for cancer. He chose zinc chloride as a fixative agent uh, based on studies he'd performed on um, cancer in rats and normal rat tissues. He consulted with a pharmacist after that and created a paste that could be applied to the skin and the final product was Mose paste. It contains zinc chloride as the fixative as well as um, a substance called antimony trisulfide which suspended it and bloodroot was the stabilizer that was the organic bit. Now Mo proposed that this paste applied in a carefully calculated manner 
um, that accounted for a, the known tumour depth and diameter would fix a tumour in the tissue over a 24-hour period. And this process enabled the surgeon, therefore, to remove a fixed specimen and then following sectioning and looking at staining, etc., um, and the histological findings of what was removed, then it would be decided how that this... Um, how this cancer was going to actually be treated, whether they needed to go back and actually remove more of the tumour or whether they had a wide enough margin and the tumour cells were all contained in what they call the eschar. So um, the primary procedure that was undertaken by uh, Mr Moe was surgical excision and he coined this technique chemosurgery and uh, that began a long storied passed on mythological history um, for uh, people in the alternative medicine world and for people in the micrographic um, surgery world it actually encouraged more exploration of the use of Mohs surgery so in uh, I think it was about 1948 um, Mo publicly renounced the use of escherotics without accompanying surgery because he claimed and found that it caused excessive mutilation and it was an unreliable cure. Um, at the moment in Australia, uh, black salve uh, is illegal. Uh, you're not able to buy it, so a lot of it is now being sold, unfortunately, on the black market. Uh, we've heard of many cases of people using black salve. We've seen many cases of people using this substance without actually knowing what they're doing and what they're treating. And um, I have seen some horrendous uh, breast cancer ulcers, which uh, are so enormous that they will never heal. Um, I was with a German uh, doctor at his clinic um, in the north of Germany and he showed me pages and pages and pages of people that had come to his clinic for treatment after they had used black salve and were in this um, really pretty shocking place of having large gaping ulcerated areas with a lot of proud flesh that just would not um, heal. Uh, he did um, share with me one picture of a boy where his mother had used it on his head to treat a melanoma on his skull and she'd used it consistently it actually ate a hole in the boy's skull and he could see the brain pulsing through that hole. So um, you never know what strength you might be getting, um, especially when you're buying things um, that are banned. So I don't like it, basically. I'm a naturopath. It's my uh, my training is to look at these herbs and, uh, and see what's useful, sift and sort, and use evidence-based information for my patients and um, I have to say that this one is one of many that actually ties into um, a poorly researched um, alternative medicine cure that's heavily heavily promoted on the internet just before I um, came on to do the show today I took a, uh, a quick peep and found that there were um, 10.7 million hits on Google if I just typed the word in black salve so it's very popular. People think it's folky. People think it's a cute thing to do. Um, people want to get rid of their skin cancers. But you never, ever, ever know unless it's histologically looked at what that skin cancer might have been. And, you know, folks, I think life's fairly precious. And uh, 
I would not be mucking around with treating things that I did not know what they uh, they were. Get a diagnosis. If you've got a skin cancer, get a diagnosis. See what it is and um, at least know that it's benign if you're going to muck around with something like black salve, which I would suggest you gave a wide berth to. So um, more on that too on the blog. And uh, next week we'll have a very special guest on the show. You'll be uh, looking at the e-card to find who that is. He's an author and uh, he's a recovered uh, leukaemia patient. So until then, have a wonderful week, have a wonderful weekend. And we'll be back next week on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.